Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The False Teacher's Ungodly Lifestyle, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. In our last episode titled, The False Teacher's Ungodly Lifestyle, Part 1, March 20th, we learned that verse 1 of chapter 2 continues the subject matter of chapter 1 with the word, but. The subject quickly progresses into false prophets and false teachers. Again, it should be clearly noted that this subject of false prophets and false teachers is clearly linked to the end of chapter 1 with the word, but. Notice what Barnes said. It is unnecessary to say that such men have abounded in all ages where there have been true prophets. The Nazarene users group said this warning in the last commentary passage. Beware of the false prophets who will come as in ancient times under the guise of true prophets. It should also be noted there is a comparative similarity of false prophets to tares and true prophets to wheat. The reason for that comparison is that tares and wheat are also difficult to tell the difference between the two. This is why this analogy works, even though that parable is not about this subject. It is strictly a comparative to give greater understanding. The difference between prophetic people and those that are not is a bit more difficult. But, to find out more, listen to our last episode titled, The False Teacher's Ungodly Lifestyle, Part 1. Today, our scripture reads, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but threw them into hell and locked them up in chains in utter darkness to be kept until the judgment, and if he did not spare the ancient world, but did protect Noah, a herald of righteousness, also the seven others, when God brought a flood on an ungodly world, and if he turned to ashes the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah when he condemned them to destruction, having appointed them to serve as an example to future generations of the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man in anguish over the debauched lifestyle of lawless men, for while he lived among them, day after day, that righteous man was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly 
from their trials and to reserve the unrighteous for punishment at the day of judgment, especially those who indulge in their fleshly desires and who despise authority. From 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-10 through 10. In my Bible, those six verses are one long sentence. Regardless, it makes several points we should look at closer. Notice verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but threw them into hell and locked them up in chains in utter darkness to be kept until the judgment, verse 4 ends here. The sentence continues. Yes, verse 4 stops in the middle of the fuller thought, but we already have something to learn from. We learn further. Quote, verses 4 through 8 in chapter 2 of Second Peter are all connected with verse 9 in chapter 2 of Second Peter. Thus, for if God spared not the angels, and spared not the old world, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, condemned them, and delivered just Lot. These examples show that the Lord knows. From the Family Bible Notes from the Nazarene Users Group. To be clear, we are presently examining the first of three examples that Peter is using here to make his point. Peter speaks of the angels who sinned being punished. God, the Father, not only threw them into hell, but found them in chains. This confinement in hell lasts until the day of judgment. So, what does this example and the other two tell us? What is Peter doing by recounting the past? The apostle now proceeds to the proof of the proposition that these persons would be punished. It is to be remembered that they had been, or were even then, professing Christians, though they had really, if not in form, apostatized from the faith, and a part of the proofs, therefore, are derived from the cases of those who had apostatized from the service of God. He appeals, therefore, to the case of the angels that had revolted, neither their former rank their dignity, nor their holiness saved them from being thrust down to hell. And if God punished them so severely, then false teachers could not hope to escape. The apostle, by the angels here, refers undoubtedly to a revolt in heaven, an event referred to in Jude chapter 1 verse 6 and everywhere implied in the scriptures. When that occurred, however, why they revolted, or what was the number of the apostates, we have not the slightest information, and on these points conjecture would be useless. From Barnes' New Testament Notes 
Barnes raises two good points, at the very least. First, even though last in the commentary passage, it tells us there was a revolt in heaven. As a result, when that occurred, why they revolted, or what was the number of the apostates, we have not the slightest information, and on these points conjecture would be useless. That means, in more modern language, trying to assess such things is a waste of our time. What we do know for sure is, there were angels in heaven who revolted, one being the one we now recognize as Satan, the devil. We know, too, that these revolting angels were cast into hell or the eternal abyss. They were also bound in chains. At best, it can be understood when the angel we now know as Satan revolted, he took other revolting angels with him. That is it in a nutshell. The biggest reason our understanding is limited is that the amount of useful information drops hard and fast after these facts. The main point, in my opinion, is if God would put angels of heaven in hell for their revolting, it should easily stand to reason why good people who are unsaved to righteousness would also be cast into hell. Receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior is the only opt-out of hell. You can be considered the greatest person alive by the masses, but if you are unsaved in Christ, that greatness ends when you die, even if long remembered. Your choice to be unsaved in Christ is now permanently made at your death, and you will live eternity in hell. It is only in this life where the choice can be made to avoid eternal death. The next noticeable statement by Barnes came before what we just studied. Barnes noted, Neither their former rank, their dignity, nor their holiness saved them from being thrust down to hell. And if God punished them so severely, then the false teachers could not hope to escape. Wow. Quote, false teachers could not hope to escape. Unquote. With that statement, anyone who falsely teaches God's people had better repent now and beg God's mercy for their life. The reasoning is the consequences of not repenting now while the possible ability to do so is present. Suffering eternal damnation is a harsh punishment to suffer. Maybe now, what the Nazarene users group commented makes a bit more sense when they said, For if God spared not the angels and spared not the world, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, condemned them, and delivered just Lot. These examples show that the Lord 
knows. Notice this. It should be noted that Lot was not a perfect man. In a drunken state, he had husband and wife physical relations with his daughters after he escaped Sodom and Gomorrah. Yet, he was still saved by God. Now, if that does not confuse things, I don't know what will. However, it points to us today by allowing us to better understand the state of our spiritual life we truly live in if saved in Christ. It also demonstrates that despite our sinful nature, we can be truly saved of Jesus Christ by repenting of our sins, by receiving the forgiveness of God, then moving forward from there. Lot's salvation, so to speak, can only point to the fact that our imperfectness will not stop us from being saved of Christ. It will not stop us from going home to heaven when the time comes, either by death or by being captured into heaven by Christ on the clouds, an event many call the rapture. When saved of Christ, despite our sinful nature, we clearly are washed of all our sins, past, present, and future, as we have been told. Our future sins only require that we seek forgiveness when we fully understand that's what we have done. If that is true, what does it say about the false teachers? Barnes said of these false teachers, if God punished them, meaning the angels of heaven, so severely, then false teachers could not hope to escape. Now, notice James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we will be judged more strictly. Therein, in the commentary passage we just read, is the stricter judgment that James obviously knew about. The evil referred to is that where many desired to be teachers, though but few could be qualified for the office, and though, in fact, comparatively few were required. A small number, well qualified, would better discharge the duties of the office and do more good than many would and there would be great evil in having many crowding themselves unqualified into the office. Notice further, the word here rendered masters should have been rendered teachers. It is so rendered in John chapter 3 verse 2, Acts chapter 13 verse 1, Romans chapter 2 verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 28 through 29. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11, chapter 4 verse 3, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12. Though it is elsewhere frequently rendered master, it has, however, in it primarily the notion of teaching, even when rendered master, and the word master is often used in the New Testament, as it is with us to denote an instructor as the, quote, 
schoolmaster, end quote. Compare Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, chapter 22, verse 16, Mark chapter 10, verse 17, chapter 12, verse 19, at all. The word is not properly used in the sense of master, as distinguished from a servant, but is distinguished from a disciple or learner. Such a position, indeed, implies authority, but it is authority based not on power, but on superior qualifications. The connection implies that the word is used in that sense in this place, and the evil reprehended is that of seeking the office of public instructor, especially the sacred office. It would seem that this was a prevailing fault among those to whom the apostle wrote. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. Here. Again, we want to note the last item of commentary first due to its importance. Referring to the biblical definition of master in this usage and context, Barnes said, The evil reprehended is that of seeking the office of public instructor, especially the sacred office. It would seem that this was a prevailing fault among those to whom the apostle wrote. Notice, if someone fraudulently enters either public teaching or a sacred office of teaching, both will incur the same end, being cast into hell. We see here one of the great important things conveyed in commentary. James tells us, and commentary more greatly affirms the notion that we should not seek to be a teacher or instructor, especially the sacred office of teaching God's people. However, the difference today is there is not enough teachers of God's word and how one should live properly, known as a Christian life. So, today, more fully qualified teachers are needed. The issue at hand, though, of which we are being taught, is the fact we need to have caring for God's people and a willingness to help them better understand God's Word, the Bible, so they, too, can improve their life in Christ. If that is not your first and primary concern, as James tells us, Avoid teaching as it will bring even harsher judgment upon you when all things are accounted for in our lives. The other examples given by Peter in this book here are of Noah and his family being righteous and rescued, of Sodom and Gomorrah being fully leveled by fire from heaven while Lot and his daughters were saved. All three examples of God's dealing with unrighteousness and what we call today the unsaved demonstrate a consequence which is deadly. We know the wages of sin is death. It's in your Bible, and I'm sure you've heard it. 
Here are three examples of how that works in everyday life, regardless of the times we live in. Receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is our only source of hope to avoid eternal death, eternal separation in hell. Then, this passage concludes with, If so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from their trials and to reserve the unrighteous for punishment at the day of judgment, especially those who indulge their fleshly desires and who despise authority. Those two verses right there are the bottom line of this examination. Yes, we can obviously go down a dark road even if we once found salvation in Christ. However, one can receive Christ as their Lord and Savior or, if previously saved in Christ, can repent. Remember, time is running out for you regardless of the two types you are, caught in the thorns of life and fallen away of Christ's salvation for you or never saved to begin with. Regardless of your present state, you still have time in March of 2022 to be saved or repent of your falling away. The choice is 100% yours. We will continue to work deeper into this passage in our next episode, The False Teacher's Ungodly Lifestyle, Part 3. What does Peter mean when he says, Angels, who have more strength and power than these teachers, don't bring an insulting judgment against them from the Lord. How does that work after everything we just learned? To find out more, join us next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, Welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, how to be saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, 
Under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites, so you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week. This is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.